The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guests' own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of AIHA. AIHA does not endorse any guest or the entity that they represent. On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, our guest is Dr. Poppy Crump, Chief Scientist at Dolby Laboratories. We'll have a preview of her upcoming opening keynote at AIHCE 2023, where she discusses enhancing human performance through technology. Meet Alice Hamilton. She was an early pioneer in what we know today as industrial hygiene. Her work had a profound impact on AIHA's earliest members. AIHA's Hamilton Club recognizes organizations that continue her work. These corporate partners use innovation and expertise to shape the future of worker health and safety. Partners receive tiered benefits of access, recognition, contribution, and brand exposure. The Hamilton Club is the center of support and investment between club partners, AIHA, and its members. This is where the future of the profession shines the brightest. For more information, visit AIHA.info slash Hamilton Club. Poppy, um, you know, again, I'm very interested in uh, what your keynote will be. I think it's something that's very timely and um, coming up at this AIHCE 2023 event in Phoenix this May. Um, obviously, AI, um, some of the integration of new technology is going to have a lot of effect on us. And that's that's what your talk will be on, right? Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much. It Right now we're in a, and it's really been happening in the last five, I'd say five, five to six years. The last few years have accelerated a lot of integration of technology into our homes, into our work lives, uh, just by, by the, the, the necessity. Um, but really the amount of data, the ubiquity of sensors, the amalgamation of information and technologies that used to be you know, limited to labs and, and really outside of our common day practice or our workforce are completely changing how they can uh, really help accelerate and uh, accelerate and, and the information, the value, the digitization of the physical world to make us more successful, um, to thrive, to think faster, to see better, to <laughs> hear at the same in the way in ways that we never could. In the past, we had to build technology in many cases for one size fits all. We had to think about our solutions in the workplace. We had to think about our solutions in the home. You know, for anything, in many cases, as you know, technology was built to support uh, a one size fits all sort of solution. And today, because of the changes that are happening in technology, we can think about customization to personalization in how we use our data, how we, you know, where that value comes from. So, and this this is obviously a lot more than just the workplace, and uh, you know, this is the, you're you're suggesting this is going to be in our entire lives, and we're seeing that today, you know, to some extent. Um, so, so how do you envision, you know, how do you envision these advancements uh, be, becoming even even more um, sophisticated and being able to uh, more more customization to our individual needs and uh, preferences and that sort of thing. Yeah, no. So I think there are two things. Let's separate individual needs and preferences. Those are both of those are relevant, but and 
often when you talk about machine learning, AI, technology that's sensing my body or sensing what, you know, my how I'm responding to information, that that's far off or that's something that I don't particularly need in my environment. But let's, you know, if you step back and think about what are some of the simplest places, the most innocuous points, you know, how, how I hear in an enterprise communication environment like this, how I'm successful. A one-size-fits-all solution doesn't necessarily get me where I need to go. You know, I often look at something like you know, how I hear, right? Um, making sure that when we end, when any of us enter into a point where we need to communicate, we need to take in information and data and be successful, if it's in our, our work environment, our home environment, there's sort of a, a three-pronged trifecta that's contributing to what it means for me to be successful or for my brain and my body to be the most successful in that environment. Obviously, we have different underlying physiology. You know, that might be from our age, from our, you know, the, the, literally the sensory cells that are taking in how I hear, how I see, how I feel are unique. And you know, require almost it require a, a different different um, optimization. The second prong would be actually just our what we call our priors, the amount, the type of data that we've been exposed to in our environments. How whether I grew up in a village in the Midwest, or I grew a town in the Midwest, or a village in a, in in the country, or a city like New York. Every one of those environments actually shapes how my brain is successful what neurons are dedicated to do to make me successful in that environment. It fundamentally changes my brain and changes how I'm going to receive the exact same physical information. We each experience the world very differently. And now technology can help sort of optimize us so that we know how we will be successful in those environments. I mean, one of the things, you know, 20 years ago, we really didn't have a smart device like this that could capture information and communicate information. Now, and now it's just commonplace to have a, a very powerful uh, mobile device in almost everybody's hand all the time. Um, it, how, do, how does the uh, these type of things, these mobile uh, phones and uh, tablets and smart, smart devices uh, that we carry around with us personally, is, do you think that comes into play a, a lot as far as capturing, collecting data and monitoring our, our environment as we move about in our daily lives? Um, it can, I, but I, I think the more interesting things are when you get off that device. The device is there, you know, effectively on the edge you know, processing. And but what you might not realize is you think it's where, even how I swipe, the patterns I might use to move, not what I not what I actually select, but those patterns are indicative of my mental, my cognitive state. They map to it. There are companies that use that to help uh, to help individuals you know, who have, uh, want to potentially identify you know, whether they have a particular pathological condition and things like that. Now, importance here is agency and transparency. Those are foundational to any future we have with technology. But my phone, that's useful for processing. But the real, the interesting things are also just um, what we can do that we need to do that we haven't done in the past uh, to help equalize you know, the success of information. And, and so let me give an example. In my ear, I can measure my heart rate just from a sensor, right? Dime-sized patch within the the concha of my of your of my my pinna. Uh, the ripples of our ears are very unique. Our head, our torso, our bodies, every one difference of our the shape of our bodies influences how sound if we want to say use headphones to we want to create we have headphones on and we're trying to create the experience of spatial sound 
every bit of our unique body influences what this what a successful solution would be for me. Now, within the dime size patch of my ear, I can pick up my heart rate. I can know where my eyes are pointed through something called an, uh, you know, an electrooculogram. I can pick up the signature of my neural, my neural signature of my electroencephalogram, and then I can do transformations on that. They can detect diseases, things like strokes, uh, epilepsy, uh, heart, you know, changes in heart rate, depression, um, how I speak, for example, not what I say, just the dynamics of my speech uh, in, can indicate things like um, heart disease, diabetes, um, multiple sclerosis. You have all of these signatures in my body that are sort of, you might call them digital exhaust. The things that we give off all the time, we aren't changing mm -hmm. as humans, but it's now the ubiquity of sensors and the ability to process that information to support people that can really change. Now, where do things get thorny? I want that that type of information maybe in my home, but not in my workplace. Right. But I also want agency and transparency to understand what's being collected, when, what process. And it's not, are you collecting my data? That's not the important question. The important question is, what are you doing with it? Right. And how do we control and build an infrastructure so that the analytics on that information is supported? But but how do you how do you uh, propose that we actually do that? Because that that's a big question, right? That's a, that's a huge question. The the more it, to some extent, it's almost invasive the information that could be potentially collected. So so how do we? It's invasive that, that... today if you want it to be. So that's not a future. The question is. Oh sure, right, right. It does. I think the worst answer is let's you know be scared of what data because. The, the information's out there already. There's so many ways you can know, you use Wi-Fi to know where people are in a room. You can, you know, there's there so many different ways of sensing information that then when layered with other data gives a pretty transparent <laughs> picture of what's happening and, mm -hmm. and things like, and, and such. But the, I think the more important question is, you know, from a technology perspective, we can build the infrastructure of protection. And I think companies are starting to really understand that. We, you know, I think that that connection to is, is happening, but it's the why. Why is it important to do these things, right? And it, when you look at well, to start with, one size fits all solutions really impact demographics quite differently, and they have limited our success as humans, but limited certain demographics very specifically. Um, you know, I, I, I think like what's an example that I, I, I think was one that was in um, there's a nice article in The New Yorker on it. It was called The Century of Shrill. Um, I spent a lot of my life you know, determine, writing standards. I, I, did, I wrote a lot of the standard for the over the counter hearing aid act um, that, that the FDA used um, in part to empower consumer technologies to support more individuals. Um, that's a, another a sideline. But the standards have a lot of in influence on how technologies thrive and who they support and how successfully they support individuals. Um, the New Yorker article called A Century of Shrill was, was in, and when I went and looked more at um, what has happened throughout the year, it's particularly, it, it, it's a great example of where, you know, decisions on technology for, can impact just so many different lives. So what happened was back in the, you know, turn of the early, the early 20th century, you had a group of individuals define a standard for what we call the voice band. That voice band influenced AM radio. It influenced uh, the decision even up until like 2012, 2015, 
your cell phone was using that same voice band as an acceptable limit. It's like 300 hertz to 3,400 hertz. They determined that was good, good enough for intelligibility, right? Intelligibility in digital in, in these communication environments. But it was one demographic, predominantly you know, white males, that made this decision of what was good enough. So maybe it was good for intelligibility. But what happens is when you look, say, at the female, at, 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 if you look at a different sex, you would, your, our vo the vocal tract can be slightly shorter. And what happens with the formants of voice, so you have these sort of intense spectral <clears throat> uh, energy peaks that in, in a, a typical human voice. And for a, the female voice, it was cut, it cuts off that acceptable voice band, cuts off the sort of what's called the fourth formant, where it doesn't for most men. And by cutting off a lot of the information in that fourth formant, that information is critical for emoting. It's critical for, you know, a lot of intel, you know, a lot of intelligible women, but also in the quality of how people mm -hmm. sound. And so you, and, and around that time, then women lost jobs in broadcast. They just lost jobs in, it, it, they were connoted that the connotation became that women were shrill and hard to understand. And they sounded more, you know, a lot of uh, uh, different um, associations with the female voice in these types of environments happen. And that lasted up until, you know, not less than 10 years ago. And that's fascinating. I mean, and, and that's really just based on the timber and the, uh, the uh, bandwidth, you know, which is Absolutely. quite remarkable that, you know, just, just that parameter alone, you know, really affected the whole perception, right. Of how people perceive the female voice in a, in a recorded or digital form. Absolutely. Wow. And so when you start, I mean, I mean, you know, that's just one example, but then you start looking at some, I mean, I've built a lot of technologies that have been focused on things that maybe people don't realize the impact they're having on how successful everyone can be. And instead you're, you know, maybe 50% of the population does okay, but that 50% is very defined <laughs> and that's not okay when you walk sure. into a work environment. And so it, it, there, we're in a place where things we thought were solved, we need to reevaluate and we can't, we can look at where are the variables of decisions we're making to say why, what success looks like or why someone is successful wow. in, or what are the things we need to solve for in, in the workplace, in the home to create the value, to create the successes we want to see. And that's where, you know, like if you think about, I, I talk about empathetic technology often, and I use that as, you know, an example of empathetic technology in its simplest form might be a thermostat where it could be. So if you look at a thermostat today, what, it, you know, what's it tell us? It, it, it optimizes for, you know, it's safe. Even the smartest thermostat on the market might optimize you know, it, it. I set it and it optimizes for my behavior. If maybe I'm in the room, it's using machine learning and AI somewhat to, to learn if I'm present or if people are present, not necessarily me, but if there's a human body present, let's say that, and it'll save me resources and save me some, you know, some funds. But what it really should be optimizing for is if me personally, if I'm hot or cold and what I'm trying to achieve at that moment in time, you know, because if it's midnight and I'm trying to stay up and be cognitively effective, or is it, you know, have I just come in from a run and I, you know, my body is in a very different state. Am I sleeping? Am I trying to heal? 
am, you know, how, am I a petite woman? Am I a, a large male? Every one of these settings is some, I mean, of, of these optimizations is different. And we can close that loop. All of that information is, is part, should be part of the equation because it, rather than optimizing for saving me money, it should be saving me. It should be, opt, I mean, that's important too, but it should mm -hmm. be optimizing for my success, right? Am sure. I, what I, my intent. Well, and just and just making your your environment more livable, uh, healthier, uh, just better for you, a better environment My for you. Quality to be of in. life, and yeah. Yeah. yes, and saving all of these things become variables into what that is. You know, and it's not that the you know saving resources and funds is not important. Sure. Those are part of that, but it's a very different thing when you start incorporating you know how successful the human is and and the individual is in their environment so that you are at, or their work environment that you're really optimizing instead. And that, that's where you start thinking about digital twins and what it means to create a sort of living dynamic, effective mo digital model that's reactive and creating high value insights in a building, you know, in, in a home, these are different, but they have some sure. common, you know, common data that's going into that. It's just, you know, a matter of how it shifts and, and what you what you enhance and what you don't and what where the transparency and agency are. But it really is that I believe the era of digital twins. And, you know, th that's something that's been around for a long time, the term. But it hasn't been so commonplace to think about what is my digital footprint and how is it supporting me and what kind of data goes into that and how do I leverage these the value and the you know the feedback loops in this to you know in in a I I want that to be effectively I want to be transparent to knowing what data is in there but I also want it opaque to how it supports me I don't want to have to think about. It. <laughs> I mean th these are like fascinating uh, points you're making here uh, that I'd never considered. So I'm just. Uh, yeah, really, uh, really looking forward to your keynote at the upcoming event. 25 years ago, parents would say to their kids, don't talk to people on the internet. Don't climb into cars with strangers. And now we literally summon strangers from the internet and we climb into their cars. So what changed? What caused us to change our morals, our ethics? It didn't happen in a vacuum. I can promise you that. There's a whole lot of technology behind that. And when convenience and accessibility and capability are drivers, we really accelerate our change as humans in what we believe and how we interact. I believe we're at a similar revolution with personalized data and how technology is going to support how we thrive in our homes, in our workplaces. But it definitely comes with a lot of shifts in who we are as humans and what we believe. So come see my session and let's figure out why. Thanks. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back in two weeks with a new show. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Thanks again for watching and stay healthy.